Welcome to the most prestigious event in Hollywood's calendar. It's the Screen Test Oscars episode. Joining me, as always, we have... And can we put some, like, classy music behind this, please? We have Chief Film Critic of the Independent, Clarice Lockery. We have one-third of the Cyber Nerds. It's Joe Akimwin. And joining us this week, His Royal Highness Daniel J. Layton. Thank you. How's everyone feeling? Good. Good, 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 good. The nominations for this year's Oscars were announced this week, including the Academy's picks for Best Picture. The nominations this year include Minari, Prime Video's Sound of Metal, Nomadland, which is my favourite, and that put me in the mood to revisit some of my favourite Best Picture winners on Prime Video, including Birdman, The Hurt Locker, and one of my favourite films of all time, No Country for Old Men. But I think we can go on better and decide what the best Best Picture is. So what have you picked for my consideration, Daniel J. Layton, going to come to you first. What okay. have you picked and why? I have picked, because it is, frankly, the best, most glorious best picture of all time. The myth, the legend, the iconic Chicago. 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 Just a, a classic Peter K. joke. They're all classics, Jack. You're right. But this is probably the most classic of all because it references classic best picture winner of 2002. Chicago. Chicago. Joe, what have you picked? I have picked the Martin Scorsese crime thriller, The Departed. Classic. I think that The Departed gets a bit of a bad rap because everyone keeps saying, oh, he won for that because they didn't give it to him for Goodfellas. But I think that The Departed is one of my favourite But uh, like Scorsese's Scorsese's least best film is like... Most people's best film ever, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But, like, we should also throw that out there because that will do well for us. (laughs) (laughs) Clarice, what's your pick? uh, I picked Casablanca, which I... Yeah, it feels like a really obvious choice, but I think the thing with Casablanca is that it's so famous and so iconic that people kind of forget about it or they, they don't actually think about the fact that it is a masterpiece. They just go, oh, it's, you know... It's almost in its own league. Yeah, or oh, it's that dumb old movie where they cry in front of the plane. So I'm here to sort of reiterate that Casablanca is genuinely a masterpiece. It's like a really good movie, guys. Let's talk about it. <laughs> as well as being that film where they cry in front of the plane. Yeah. They do cry in front of the they plane. Do. I find it's amazing that all the iconic lines from Casablanca really happen in the final sort of five minutes all in one go. And also the, yes. one of the most iconic lines in it isn't the line. Like, he doesn't say play it again, Sam. Yeah, that that's a weird one. Yeah. I guess it's the same as Star Wars. And I think I think they it basically comes down to the fact that Woody Allen made a movie called Play It Again, Sam. Yep. And that's where everyone got confused. Uh, but yeah, no, he doesn't say that. There'll be f- no misquoting here. I feel like my take yeah. on Casablanca is going to be wild, isn't it? But oh, interesting. Yeah, it's just one of those movies that is a classic that everyone hears that, oh, you should watch this. But like... Just if doesn't do anything for you? Yeah, you're just... I just... I hadn't watched it until we... Um, Clarice picked it. Um, because I feel like it is a classic movie, but if you're not, like, a film critic, a hardcore person into film, it's one of the movies you hear about but never watch. Yeah, you have to be in the right energy and headspace to watch it. See, not I'm in a bad here, way. I'm like here I was to, in to prove a... all this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> just... It's a great movie all the time. If you woke me up at 4am and you're like, hey, we're watching Casablanca, I'd be like, sure. <laughs> I mean, I love Chicago, but if you wake me up at 4am, I will backhand you. It is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so here's how this is going to work. We're going to go through a series of rounds and I'm going to give you points whenever I choose to. But really, the way we're going to do this is that whoever wins the round gets three points, whoever loses the round gets one point, and whoever's in between gets two points makes sense but i also might be chaotic and throw out points whenever i feel like it and at the end of it all the winner will get this lovely thing Ooh, ooh, ooh. no okay fine do we get extra points for calling it the departed the departed i think i feel like every time someone says that i should get an extra point i should get extra points points are going to be ridiculously high in this one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so the first round is the IMDb rating round, and this is the round where I don't have any say. This is the, the people's vote. Um, so what do you think is going to be the highest and the lowest rating out of the choices of your films? Let's go to... Joe, start us off. All right, Casablanca is going to win this round for sure because it's old. <laughs> 10 people reviewed there were it at the bad time. old movies as well uh, there, there was there I've was but them. the good ones get get rated very high and no one ever goes back 
and re-rates them because no one watches them these days. But anyway, um, I digress. Joe's got some takes, man. Uh, <laughs> the Departed, I think he's coming in too, like very slimly above Chicago. So that's mine. Clarice? Yeah, I think Casablanca, because it's just the best. Uh, then The Departed... And then Chicago, which is a movie that I love, but people who don't like musicals aggressively don't like musicals, mm. <laughs> and so I imagine there are, there are some there are some low low scores trying to pull that number down. Dan, do you agree? Um, I do agree with that. However, my thing about Chicago is it is the musical that people who don't like musicals get on with so do you think that's so, going to give it a higher imdb rating no no uh, i still think it's going to be the <laughs> lowest of all time but, <laughs> but i think it's going to be higher than your average musical but i think it is the depart the departed at the top Whoa. i think casablanca comes a close second because it's that film that people like to sound impressive they're like oh yeah I, i've seen casablanca and loved it but they don't remember um even though it's very good and then chicago is a <clears throat> yeah like third it's in third place okay all right well let's find out alexa tell me the imdb rating for the departed the departed has an imdb rating of 8.5 out of 10 8.5 that's pretty good it's all right 8.5 to beat i'm gonna go chicago first because i think we all agree it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a, a fight between the departed yeah, that's, and it's not beating 8.5 yeah okay <laughs> Sorry, <Chicago. laughs> so you think alexa coming at tell nine. me the imdb rating for chicago Chicago has an IMDb rating of 7.2 out of 10. That's criminal. Alexa and me are going to have some words. <laughs> Don't take it out on her. I'll take my I'm two human. points. 7.2 and an 8.5. So 8.5 to beat. Do we think it's going to do it? 8.5? I think it... Uh, no, I, just think I, it, think I think it, it will. Casablanca is just... You know, All right. She's coming in being like, oh, Casablanca 3. <laughs> like I feel like you're either just gonna rate it or Joe, not rate it at all, right? Alexa, the people who don't care about it are just gonna steer clear. Yeah, they never tell me back the to IMDb rating for Casablanca. Casablanca has an IMDb rating of eight point five out of ten. Neck and neck. I feel like I win because my so movie is rated So now you have to off. fight. No, well. No, Dan. No, there's oh. no physical violence here. Um, okay. But we'd, I think what we're going to do is give uh, Casablanca and The Departed three points. And Dan, even though you're last, you're technically in second place. So I'm going to give you two points. I think that's. I think that's wise. Oh, yeah. I think that's, wise. that's a really. <laughs> I think, think it would be think, very unfair to give three and then you one. Do you know, Jack? That's really smart. I think you're absolutely wonderful, and I, I'm thrilled that you're hosting today. I was going to say flattery won't get Shame you anywhere, that. but it might. It might. <laughs> The second round is cast. Uh, and what's interesting about this is obviously at the Oscars, which is what we're talking about, out of all these films, Catherine Zeta-Jones is the only one to have won her category for acting. So does that automatically mean it has the best cast? Well, not no. only was she the only one to win her category, she was also up against someone else from her film in that same category. It was her and Queen Latifah both nominated. Mm -hmm. So usually when two actors from the same film are nominated in the same category it divides the votes and it didn't in this instance. Because so she's I Catherine Zeta-Jones. And she's amazing in the movie, as is Queen Latifah, as is Renee Zellweger, also nominated. You're on a roll, Dan. Keep I going. Know. Well, okay. This was... The, I will. I will. Thank you very much. This was the year that the John C. Riley Award came into being, <laughs> which we all know is the, the, the honorary award if you're in three best pictures. And it was 2002. He was in The Hours, Gangs of New York, and Chicago. Oh... It's worth thinking about. What the what the if John C. Riley is in your film, you're more likely to Listen, get nominated. That at for least an Oscar. boosts it. Absolutely, three in one year. Come on. I mean, actually, this is something I want to talk about. Do we do we usually think that the Oscars get things right? Is that something no. that the Oscars usually do? <laughs> Very straight in. No. 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 No, they never do. They because... gave Casablanca best picture. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we've got to get Sorry. this beef out of the way. Listen, listen. I'm what gonna happened to you while you were watching it? Nothing. It's just it's <laughs> that's just the problem. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Boring. Right. Well, by the end of this, let's reassess. Okay. Because I'm gonna put forth some convincing arguments. I'm listening. Hopefully. Go on. Well, talk to me about Casablanca now. Then what's what's talk, talk to me about the Humphrey Bogart and what's her face in Casablanca? What's her face? <laughs> yeah. Rude. Whoa. What's her name? Uh, Ingrid Bergman. That's it. Like, one of the greatest actresses who ever lived, but whatever, <laughs> what's her face? <laughs> um, 
wow. <laughs> what What's so interesting about Casablanca, though, is one of those movies that, that made those stars. You know, Humphrey Bogart, up until this point, he'd been in the Maltese Falcon, so he was pretty famous already, but he was mostly, like... You know, the edgy film noir guy, like, seedy, like, coming out of the shadows to stab you, man, Humphrey Bogart. But Casablanca established him as a romantic lead, and that's what really kicked his career off, and, and he became the the highest paid actor at the time. And then that's how you get Bogart and Bacall, which, if there's anything hotter on screen than Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman, it is Humphrey Bogart and Laura Bacall. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you have that contrast with Ingrid Bergman, who, um, yeah, this is also the movie that just completely kicked off her career and made her the... The, the one of the greatest actresses that ever lived <laughs> and they do like they when you think about that kind of classical hollywood movie they do effervesce on screen they mm. are beautiful and the lighting even, like, on her is ridiculous oh, as well see they're <laughs> absolutely <laughs> stunning just drawn into their eyes neither of them however are named in the rap section of madonna's vogue and i think that goes against casablanca <laughs> so <laughs> Nice. Joe, I mean, the cast in, in The Departed is immense. There's so many stars in it, and they're all... I mean, who, do you have a favourite? I mean, for me, Leonardo DiCaprio stands out, but obviously Matt Damon and Jack Nicholson are both amazing. Mm. They both got nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and both didn't win due to the fact that Dan said before that it divided and neither of them was Catherine Zeta-Jones. But I, I <laughs> She would have like been great in it though. And that's why Chicago is so brilliant. I just feel like that's why this movie is so strong because it's just got a cast that everyone wants. It's got actors that everyone wants in their movies. Um, it puts Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon together when they're like at the height of their power, which is great, especially when they're directed by Martin, Martin Scorsese. So I mean, let's talk about everyone's accents as well because they're, yeah. they're varying. Can we talk about Ray Winston? Yeah, let's do what Ray Winston to start <laughs> with. Thank you very much. I have another In objection, but I'll put that forward later on. Ray Winston's uh, Boston accent is something. Even Martin Sheen struggles sometimes, but I think my favourite aspect of the cast obviously the, the stars are the stars but i really like alec baldwin and mark oh yeah um, okay marky yeah. mark oh i no, don't like marky mark no, at all i think he's so funny he's a, a one-note character the whole way through. that's and fine with me and that's no, but it's no, so the funny characters are so strong like the also thing. martin sheen don't ever come for martin sheen again that <laughs> is martin your president sheen struggles with that accent a little bit does he struggles with nothing <laughs> <laughs> he's the president of the united Thank states very much. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with mark Wahlberg in this movie is that i cannot believe that he's existing within the same universe like he's walked off the set of ted <laughs> like he brings such a, a different energy to the movie you know and you're you're having him with with leo and and matt damon who are taking everything so seriously and he's like was who mark are you i'm the guy who destroyed his freaking job i and thought it's like i thought like, mark was the down. only one nominated but i maybe read it wrong was he nominated for for best supporting actor in yeah. this film he was wasn't he mm -hmm. yeah i think he's really funny but my favorite bit in the whole thing is when alec baldwin asks him if he wants somebody wants a cigarette and he goes yeah, do you want a cigarette? I bet you don't smoke, do you? Yeah, One of them health nuts? Freak. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that just doesn't that let him have a conversation. Movie. But, but I, I think the other so thing good. about Marky Mark is that he like he's on his own other thing doing his whole other show while Leo is giving the most strained yeah. performance ever. I believe all that stress. Exactly. And, and, and Matt Damon is playing it with this blank face and Pacino's off doing... Not Pacino, sorry. Uh, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. That's the one, Jackie. He's off doing his own thing in crazy town and then it's like okay mark i'll see you in the next scene he's like he's like you know those air things with the arms he just comes into <laughs> every wobbly scene, waving like, inflatable arm flaving he's tube the man. inflatable tube man coming into every scene like hi joe do you have a favorite <laughs> performance in it if you can pick no leonardo dicaprio's performance is, is my favorite like everything he does in it is believable and i just feel he's pain in it where he's come from a a bad family and he wants to be different he wants to get into the police force and make it and make a change and because of that history of his bad family they just say no and it pushes him down a um a different path and then he just 
ends up being like this broken guy who's trying to do right, but it's caught in a tough situation and it just doesn't work for him, work for him in the end. Like, I just think Leo is... Are we in spoiler town? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Because yes. the, the, the moment when he is shot square in yeah. the head is a visceral reaction because of everything you just yeah. said. It's yeah. like he's You're constantly hoping so that he's going to get away with exactly. it. Exactly. Yes, and, and then suddenly it. it's like, oh, you were so close. You were so close. And I feel devastated for him. Joe, is it your favourite Leo performance? Yes, I'm gonna say that the only other Leo performance I feel like I, f- I feel was up with there it was what's gonna be crazy is the man in the iron mask, which I also love. Yeah, oh, wow, what it's a crazy. pick! It's crazy, it's crazy. But yeah, I'm, well, my my favorite Leo performance is Catch Me If You Can, which came out Chicago tough. year and tough. wasn't even nominated at the Oscars. Chicago is so good. Where was its musical number? We Where already was established Leo's that the Oscars neck? don't get things right. We, we said that at the top of the show, right? Except when they do yeah. for six wins for Chicago. No. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Dan, is there anything else you want to say about the cast in Chicago? I feel like we haven't had much time on that yet. Just that it's not only these are these are all actors who are being asked to do a hell of a lot of course in all of these movies they're being asked to do a lot carrying the emotional heft of the departed is incredible you know as i said the effervescence of of casablanca but these are actors being asked to sing dance and um act in taking something that's like hyper camp and i'll talk about this later but it's a hyper camp musical restrained for on screen and Catherine Zeta-Jones actually had a, a haircut. Originally, they wanted to have long hair, but she wanted a bob to show that she was the one doing all the dancing. So they all, they went into intense rehearsal process and they carried all of it off. And it none of them, none of them ha- having to pick up slack for anybody else. They're all hitting it off, you know, the mark. And we've seen so many musicals where actors come in, naming no names, Russell Crowe, and maybe don't <laughs> give their best vocal performance. Pierce but Brosnan. there isn't a single... <laughs> Indeed, with the whole shirt rip, although I will defend Mamma Mia till death. Um, <laughs> but in this film, every single one of them is is firing on all cylinders. And I just think it is an incredible classic. They, they belong in that same conversation, I think, as I think you've it's, and Bergsman's it's, in terms it's, of the classic performance. It's nice to see um, something uh, rewarded for... Uh, an aspect of performance that usually isn't sort of a reward like the idea of like being on screen and, and crying or doing a big dramatic uh, scene is very easy to be able to go oh that's good acting but to see the dedication from somebody like Catherine Zeta-Jones who's going to learn everything like that and perform completely by herself dancing. I mean that's what I'm saying like be able to learn an entire new skill like that that's why I think like Ryan Gosling in La La Land like learned to play piano like that's something to do with his performance that you might not know you'd be like oh he must be able to play piano or it's a double no he learned how to do it and I think that's the same thing here is learning an entire new skill for this performance and you know that these actors are good you know John C. Riley's good and you know that Queen Latifah as a, as a rapper is, is great and then they show up on the screen and they show you something else and you're like okay thank you keep that on celluloid forever well this is so difficult it's almost like we're talking about Academy Award winning <laughs> movies to try and discuss which I think is the best performances in the film. So I'm going to have to just go, as always, with my personal preference. The Departed gets three points, Casablanca second with two points, and Chicago with one point. But uh, the points are arbitrary because all of them are excellent. And it's it almost seems silly to be like, oh, Casablanca comes second. So that means that the, currently The Departed is in the lead with six points. Just behind is Casablanca with five. And at the bottom is Chicago with three. A little way to go, but not not impossible, Dan. I know. You could bring it back. It's a great film, Jack. Have you got a musical number planned to make a point? Well, I, I have a reveal under this. I've got to <laughs> rip it and I've got a lovely sort of sequin number. Just well, you wait. That brings us on nicely to round three, uh, which is memorable scenes. And this is a bit where you, I want you to talk specifically about a moment in the film that you think stands out uh, and makes it better than all the rest. Joe, we're going to come to you first with The Departed. Yeah, this was really hard for me to pick out of the opening scene in Departed and a scene that we've spoke about like three or four times already, which is the elevator scene, which starts with Matt Damon getting to the, um, to the building where he's meeting Leonardo DiCaprio for the first time and they really have it out. I just love everything about this scene, the way the camera stays there just longer than it needs to be and then and then they get together and there it's like everything in the movie has built up to this moment to this confrontation and Leonardo DiCaprio was still trying to do the right thing thinking that he can get out of this scenario when he can't and then 
that then transpires in a very visceral way that Dan said earlier when they go down an elevator and he gets shot in the head by another informant who then gets shot in the head <laughs> by Matt Damon and the plot is just unraveling more and more and, and we're seeing that even though we've been entrenched in this movie of layers there's so many more yeah. layers we're following this one specific yeah, story but there's, with there's other stories we don't even know about all there and yeah. I, I feel like that that scene there encapsulates all of it and i just love it yeah i i think that that i mean my favorite bit in that is when leo smacks him in the nose with that gun and tells him to shut the fuck up yeah. and it's just like everything i've wanted to see happen to that character happens yeah. in that moment and i was like oh thank you yeah, give, just give him a nosebleed make him shut his mouth and it, it kills you because he actually gets out of that scene like yeah. and 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 for a for a little bit you're like man he's he's gonna pull this off like this is making my stomach turn mm. it's crazy yeah I, I another thing i just want to I talk about it what's in my mind because i don't know where else we're going to sort of talk about this sort of stuff but there's so many things littered through the departed that come up in quite a lot of scorsese's films like you know the the exploration of masculinity and things like that irish men sure <laughs> yes um <laughs> shooting things but with matt damon's character do we i mean maybe this is sort of just common knowledge but i always got the impression that he's got some repressed homosexuality going on in him, in his character. Like he, he literally, he gets introduced by calling the other rugby team a very horrible slur for, yeah. for gay people. And then throughout the entire film, there's, there's these little, performance issues with yeah, issues. performance I, issues um, and things like that. Yeah. I read that before I went to rewatch because I thought like, oh, I'll just refresh my memory rather than watching the movie again. And then I, I read that and I was like, I don't remember that. I'm mm. going to watch the whole... So I watched the whole thing. And with that in mind, there's definitely something going on there. And the idea as well to tie it, not to go too far down a rabbit hole, but to tie it into, you know, the Catholicism. There's something to be said yep. for um, Jack Nicholson's Some character territory. being uh, also, you know, bisexual. The, the the real man that he's based on, I believe, actually was bisexual. Um so there's something else in there as well. And it definitely, whether or not it's within the script or in their performances, it definitely adds mm -hmm. yeah. an extra layer to it. Yeah, I think it's definitely there and open for interpretation on how you want to perceive the character yourself. Um, there's but, definitely a lot of self-loathing, whatever it is. <laughs> but I, and I, I love just, a gay subtext. It's in there, Othello, as well. It's great. I, I think it's great. I feel like elevated scene's the thing. Clarice, are you going to go for the big scene? Am I gonna screw myself over by saying no? <laughs> <laughs> See, th this is in defense of Casablanca. When you say the big scene, sure, I think which, right? That's true. I mean, I I think about the the plane and and See, the, I think uh, about maybe the, not today, maybe, about the maybe piano. not tomorrow, and and yeah. I think about all the gin bars this is the and start the... of a beautiful friendship. Mm. So I'm gonna not go. I'm gonna go with my favorite scene, and this is one of my favorite scenes in all movies. Period, which is when they're in Rick's cafe and the the German officers start singing a uh, traditional German mm. song, and then uh, Rick's sort of like girlfriend that he tossed away, <laughs> who's a French refugee, both on screen and real life, starts singing the Marseillaise and and she with tears in her eyes, and then slowly the whole room joins in and they overpower the Germans by singing La Marseillaise. Because I, so I'm French American, <laughs> like I have a family history that connects to the resistance and to obviously World War II. Um, so that scene has always been so, so powerful to me. I cry every single time I watch it. And I think it's because the truth of that scene is that so many people in that room were real life refugees and and you can feel like that little strand of hope that they're still clinging on to in that in that scene because as as i said this was this is the middle of world war Two, and no one really knew how things were gonna turn out yeah, and there was an incredible amount I, I of fear think about the idea that like they didn't know what the ending of it was yet That's so you always have to try and think about especially films like this in context as well because there's so much cinema history that hasn't even happened so mm. like it it it, it is it's hard to like, especially when we talked about this with 2001, a space odyssey, like you, you see stuff that you think of as like par for the course, but there it is fresh and new yep. for the first time. That same thing exists in Casablanca. Then you have the added, you know, real world stakes of 
how's this war going to end? Do you, thinking, yeah. keeping that in your mind while you're watching it adds so much. And that's the thing. It's like, I, I find it difficult to feel like it's antiquated because it was something that was happening to those people in the room at the time. And you see it on their faces. And that's why that scene just remains so, so powerful to me because it was a film about refugees made by refugees, you know, made in Hollywood, you know, them trying to, to call out to America, who at this point, it was after Pearl Harbor, America had just joined the war, and they, but this film is still, still sort of like trying to shake people out of their isolationism and be like, look, this is what is happening to us. We are refugees. Like, <laughs> we are bringing like all of the, and you have to imagine like every single person in that room probably went through something horrific because I mean that's the reality of their stories and they are bringing all of those emotions all those personal histories into that room and into that scene and like I just like I know like the the airplane scene is really iconic because all of the dialogue but that scene to me is like nothing beats it so in terms Clarice, of how powerful it is Clarice has picked a musical scene Dan Hey. and the singing's pretty good even though they're all, <laughs> they're all crying and I should add that like lots of people have documented that people were crying like the tears were real mm. in that scene I'm sure but Dan in contrast are you going to pick a dialogue scene from yeah. Chicago <laughs> I do feel very attacked when you have a memorable scene from Chicago y take your pick like of all of the musical numbers is it going to be the the absolute fire of that opening which is a kid when I went to see this musical in the cinema and all of this frenetic action's happening, that incredible uh, Evan Kander score is, is, is going on around you and you're like, oh, what's happening? What's this? And then Catherine Zeta-Jones rises out of the ground to sing all that jazz. Am I going to pick Mr. Cellophane? Am I going to pick Razzle Dazzle? You can't really go wrong, but I have chosen the most memorable scene of all is that testament to the power of yoga that is the cell block tango splits everywhere mm. spread eagles spread just eagle. the, the the scene that launched a thousand tango scenes in every musical film subsequently joel schumacher's phantom of the opera i'm looking at you <laughs> um yeah i just think it is this uh, i remember seeing it for the first time and just being transfixed at the quality of the of the dance the singing the tightness of that choreography the tightness of the outfits the uh, the the character work from each of the six women and as a as a i was was i 12 yeah i was 12 when it first came out and i saw this was like my introduction to semiotics and film language like the um the moment where, it sounds really funny to like think back on it but like the the one innocent murderous has the blue light and i remember going like oh that's so interesting mm -hmm. like and it's just an there's quite a lot of like like uh it's obvious stuff but i never mind that sort of stuff in movies like even in the all that jazz thing mm -hmm. there's like cross cutting between her singing the number and um and renee zoeger getting it on with somebody and yeah. you know yeah. roll my stockings down and they cut to her having her stockings rolled well, down this is something i'm going to talk about later on when we're on into the craft but like the 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 editing is a reflection i think of the classic Fosse choreography. So that's all about finger snaps and quick, quick, slow, and like, you know, a glimpse of thigh or, or a movement. And that is in existence in the, in the, um, in the edit as well. And it, that is so evident in Cell Block Tango where things start off slow. And it even begins with that diegetic kind of the drip, drip, a man walking nails on a, on a, you know, and that's the beat of the, of the song. And it builds to this frenetic red climax where all of these women are singing in unison. And, and it's just, it, you, you can't, if you don't feel anything watching that, you don't feel things. I'm we need gonna, to. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. no, no. no you tell, me, tell me how you're unfeeling. I'm, I'm not going to lie because our musicals are not my thing at all. Like I try to avoid them at all costs. <laughs> but watching Chicago, I'll give it its props. Like it did keep me engaged and I didn't feel like, the music was like out of place or anything. So it does, it did connect to me. It swells in, in inside a you a little bit. That Cellbox Tango in particular towards the end, you're like, yeah, they did have it coming actually. Yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought it was pretty good. So I'm not gonna lie. What is it about musicals, Joe, that doesn't connect with you? Is it just, is it just that you just can't, you just find it a bit silly or something? Like, like, like my mom won't watch musicals. She's like, why, why are they singing? It just pulls me out. It just pulls me out. Yeah. Like we're in this, um, super dramatic scene and then someone starts tapping their foot and then 
trumpets break out. Like it's just a bit. I just feel like it's a bit out of place in movies for me. But I I did enjoy Chicago, and I thought like it was it was done very well. That's like, a common and I was surprised. A common problem is, that is got. the rat in the Departed a natural thing that would happen? <laughs> well, his was the well tied rats a part of real I feel life. Like, I feel like the the, Depart- <laughs> I mean, the Departed is not one that I can really come for in this respect. But so I find it difficult when people are like, I just don't understand why they're singing. But I'm perfectly happy to go yep. and see the most successful movie of all time, yep. where a man drank a radioactive drink and now is a big green rage monster, yep. and a Norse god comes down from a rainbow. I just slide. feel like in the movies, you're you're going in with you would knowing everything in here is going to be ludicrous as opposed to going into this and I don't know. But is, but is, is, is bursting so. into song not ludicrous? I think the point of, of musicals is that if you, that essentially, if a character can't speak it, they sing it. And if they can't sing it, they dance it. That's the, that's the, the progression of a musical. And, I, and also like musicals are Hollywood. Hollywood was built off the back of musicals. And I, and I just, I wish that people were able to sort of separate the idea of why are they singing, which I I I personally think is a, quite a weak argument, but you know, I I, I I agree with you, Dan. I I think that it's basically like if you can go to an action film and watch them break out into a fight scene, you can watch a musical where they break out into song. Like no one has beautifully choreographed fight scenes like they do in movies. It's it's just part of the whole language of this stuff. Right? Okay, let's wrap it up. Um, I'm gonna give. I'm going to give it to Casablanca. I think well argued, Clarice. I think the fact oh. that the context of it and the fact that it's based in in a time when the war wasn't over, and like you said, like a lot of the people in the in the scene were really feeling those emotions and how it mm. captured them. And also, I will kind of borrow your point about if you watch that scene and you don't feel emotions, I just I don't I don't mm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it to Casablanca, three points. The Departed gets two points. I think that scene really sticks with you. And Chicago, I think I'm just I'm just not as much of a I don't I don't dislike Chicago, but I'm just not as much of a fan as you, Dan. And that scene when you when you're describing it, I'm like, oh yes, I remember now, but it's not something that just immediately comes to my mind. But I I, I was thinking of all that jazz in my in my head, like. But because there are so many memorable, there are so scenes. many memorable. Scenes. I always think of them shooting the their names out in the lights. Do you oh, know it's yeah, from the, the stage show? Rap. Yeah, but have you seen the stage show, Dan? Uh, several times. It uh, is. How is it as an adaptation? Is that something you want to talk? So about I later? saw. Uh, I probably will, but like the short version is, I saw the film first, then the stage show, and I was a little bit like, oh, okay. It's not for me as good as the film, which is a very rare mm-hmm. experience. For but it's a always like film. whatever you see first usually is your favorite yeah. of the, of the yeah. two adaptations. Yeah. Okay, so that means at the moment, The Departed and Casablanca are still neck and neck, like on IMDb, eight points each, and Chicago with four points. Can I just check? Go I on. might have missed the, um, the memo, but are we playing golf rules so the lowest score wins? Uh, we, we aren't, um, <laughs> but you can tell yourself that if it makes you feel better. I will, thank you. Round four is craft, and this is where we're going to be speaking specifically about the filmmaking. So you can focus on the writing or the directing or the production design or the costume design or uh, the editing, the music, anything that you think makes it stand out. And we're going to go to Joe first. All right. For craft, I picked editing. I think yeah. uh, this this movie is de- <laughs> edited by a filmer, Schoonmaker, and she won her third Oscar for it. Um, I love everything about the editing in this movie. Sometimes... I mean, they say that editing's supposed to be invisible, but I f- love how visible it is in this movie at points. I feel like it transitions you from scene to scene in a great way. There's so many times where, for this one scene where Jack Nicholson's come in and they've got, oh, they've got this song and it's so loud and, and it's so it's so over the top. And then the second he starts speaking, it cuts off and it it's just silent. There's a lot of that in the film as well. Like even when they introduce, you know, the first 15 minutes and then they do the title uh, after that, which is already like strange and immediately puts you off. And then they've got that. And then it just stops as soon as DiCaprio knocks on the door. They do a lot of that quite jarring editing. Yeah. And I love it. And I feel like it gives, it gives such a, like a good vibe to the movie i also love the beginning where it's got the clips from the 70s chopped yeah. up and the school buses and it's just setting you up with the it's giving you so much it's going full scorsese yeah, it's giving you so much knowledge about what you're about to partake in and the journey you're about to go on without actually saying anything uh, i just love it and i feel like she's a beautiful 
beautiful film editor in yeah. general. I love I love the moment as well when it starts on the on the circle and then expands Hands out. out. That's, uh, I call that the Prisoner of Azkaban circle because I feel like, <laughs> and they used it twice in this film, and I was a little. That was the only bit where I was like. Okay. That felt like I would argue not invented by Prisoner of Azkaban. I don't understand. That technique. <laughs> I'm not familiar. <laughs> Probably has a little bit more mm. film history. There's a couple of things. I need to see you working on that one. Uh, but no, I, I, to, to, to back up what Joe's saying, I feel like the, the, there's one scene that sticks out, which is, I right now can't remember where it's placed, but it's when Leo is packing like mad. I think mm. it may mm. be just after uh, Martin Sheen's died. Um, lots and lots of jump cuts. Yeah, he's trying to get so out. So many jump cuts, and it's and, but even some of them are like infinitesimal. It's like they've cut out at most two frames, mm -hmm. and it's it's really jarring, but also really gives you that sense of like freneticism. Yeah. You're very much in his head through that editing, and it kind of speaks for exactly what you were saying. And and to go with what you said about Chicago, Dan, with like the introduction of semiotics, mm. and like I said, I I am not opposed to quite obvious imagery, and there's a bit of that that Scorsese uses in in the opening scene. Um, for the depart for the departed is introducing Extra Jack Nicholson point. literally in the shadows. Like so, for a long oh long yeah, time, you don't see his face. He's just in shadow. He's a complete silhouette. Uh, even in the shop, you never see his face until he comes out and says, "When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference?" That is the first time you see him. Um, but and then right after that moment, Thelma's wonderful match cut from the little child to adult Matt Damon. That bit. I mean, what a beautiful way to tell that story. They're like, here he is grown up now and you understand exactly what it is. I think a lot of the editing is telling you the story. And you say it's not invisible. It isn't. It's very like quite obvious sometimes in this, but on purpose. But then there are moments like that that don't jump out, but are absolutely doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Mm, I think what's great about Thelma Shoemaker is that like every decision is so intentional and so tied to the story. Like things that seem like, an aesthetic choice it's like it's never an aesthetic choice it's because it's mm. trying to like push forward so a certain idea and and it's just so funny then when you watch sort of people trying to be Scorsese yeah. <laughs> and not quite and they're Todd borrowing Phillips. all the same technique they're doing the jump cuts and they're doing all the zooms and everything but they're just like randomly just yeah. dropping it in what's there, that right? uh, it's an amazing line I think it was Roger Ebert in his criticism of I think Battlefield Earth I can't fully remember which one it is, but he says that it's like, this filmmaker has learned that some cinematographers use Dutch angles, but he hasn't learned why. Yes. <laughs> and I think there's a, there's an element of that to, to people who try and emulate. Because Marty also talks about how important Thelma is to his craft and his success as a director. So it's very it's not just that it's like he's got a great brain and found a good editor. It's very much that she has... Die. You know, yeah, she's made it. Yeah, and they clearly understand each other. It's like one of those great creative partnerships where I imagine they don't even need to tell each other stuff. They mm. just like look at the, they look at themselves. And I bet she does stuff go, that like mm, yes. he won't he wouldn't have even thought of. And I've I've even seen him say like sometimes you don't think something's going to work, but then you see it in the context of the edit, and all of a sudden, no, it does. It does something else that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And I think I think the Departed is an excellent example of how good she is at that. Yeah. I I feel like um, just learning more about that relationship was actually one of the greatest things that the part's given me, to be honest. So mm. that um, she's an amazing person and an amazing editor, and I love it. Very yeah. genuinely, I think probably the best. Daniel J. Hello. What craft are you picking from Chicago? So I'm gonna. I I want to talk about the strength of the adaptation because when you take a musical from stage to screen, it is a tough task and that's why there are so few yeah it's kind of rare that it works as well yeah because they can they are similar disciplines mm -hmm. but they are wildly different in so many different ways because when you take so let's take chicago as an example the stage show is as i said before hyper camp it is so silly and there are many jokes to the audience and there's there's one bit where um at the end of all that jazz roxy has shot fred and the the shots are like ah and the, there's a hit of the drum and he's like oh and then she's down and she goes i gotta pee and she runs off stage and it, the audience is like ha 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 and i'm like eh? because what i'm used to is what rob marshall has done in the adaptation which is to take it and ground it in reality and the the performances are so genuine so she's having this real moment of like 
my whole world is, is you know, crumbling around me because you've been lying to me this whole time. You're a liar, Fred. Uh, her dreams are fading in front of her and she's heat of passion goes for, she goes to grab this gun and shoots him. And then there's a moment she looks in the mirror and it's like, oh crap, what have I done? And that kind of understanding of how to use the medium is so rare, I think, for a movie musical director. See also <laughs> Cats. Um, <laughs> where he has fundamentally yeah. misunderstood what I mean, Cats I was going is. to bring up, like, even Les Miserables, which is... Oh, yeah. Like, the, the, I, th- I think mishandled mm. as well. And I think the, the best thing, I mean, not to make this a conversation about that, but the best example from that of, of a good musical adaptation is Anne Hathaway's performance, which is of one of the biggest, grandest pieces of, uh, of, of musical theatre of all time. And she makes it this tiny, tiny little performance because the camera can see everything. Whereas on stage, you have to be big in order to yeah, understand that. And so he's really good at taking that. You're reaching and for the back small. row. And, and, and the other thing about Les Miserables, which is, ties into the adaptation thing, is they take I Dreamed a Dream from a moment where, essentially, in the, in the stage show, Fontaine has just been sacked. And then everything gets worse. And they move it to after everything has got worse. So she's at her lowest moment, which I think is a really interesting choice. I've actually spoken to someone I know who plays, uh, has played Fontaine and gone like, what do you think? Where, where should it, it We live? brought up Carrie on this show before. She oh, came great. up when we were talking about Heathers in another episode. <laughs> she's just in everything. <laughs> so yeah, I spoke to Carrie and I was like, where? because I think I Dreamed a Dream is such a devastating song about how everything is over. Life has killed the dream I dream. And she feels that it's better off in the place it is in the show, which is when she still has a little bit of hope. And that, I think, speaks to the difference between stage and screen. And Rob Marshall with Chicago has found a way to take take that kind of heightened, uh, hyper-real weirdness of performing and go, okay, well, we can use a narrative device of Roxy dreams. Roxy wants to be a star. And in order... and, And tightening to what I said earlier on about how when you, in a musical, if you can't speak it, you sing it, the song is a way to give the audience exposition and the song is a way to make the audience feel and understand things. And we get that by proxy through Roxy. I didn't mean to rhyme just there, but I did. And I'm quite proud of myself. <laughs> Extra point for rhyming. Number. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, I'm holding yeah. you to that. No, that's, that is genuinely how it works. Oh, brilliant. Um, good. So yeah, I just think that the, the Rob Marshall gets what makes a musical work and gets what makes a movie work and has found a way to put them together. Mm. And I think the fact that since Chicago won Best Picture, and it had been well, actually, this is getting into cultural impact, which will I'm, I've got so much. I to will say. say, like, I feel like Rob Marshall, out of the the modern like musical directors, is one of the only ones that actually understands how to stage yeah. a number and how to actually put the camera in a way that captures the choreography and like the pace of the scene. Like, I don't know, like the the new Aladdin. And (laughs) sorry to dunk on that movie, but I remember watching it and it's the scene where they're doing the Prince Ali parade and the camera's off center for no reason. (laughs) And I remember sitting there so infuriated and no one else around me cared, but it's like, there is a language to the musical and like you have to understand like the grammar of how to film it. Exactly. Understanding both the grammar of film and the grammar of musicals is such a difficult thing. And so I heard James Corden on uh, the set of Cats be like, there is no one who could possibly bring this to the screen other than Tom Hooper. And God love him. But a chill went down my spine. I was like, (laughs) no, no, no. We're not having that be the discourse. (laughs) Like that's not. Okay, Clarice, what is, I mean, what do you pick? from from Casablanca that stands out for you above all the rest in terms of the way it's made well I guess because I'm gonna try and use other things for the cultural influence one but I'm gonna go for the script Mm -hmm. because it is iconic and as you said that final airplane scene every single piece of dialogue that they share is now famous and has now been taken out of context and used a hundred times over. Um, It's a bit of a weird situation because we're not really sure exactly who wrote 
the screenplay because lots of it passed through a lot of different hands i think most people attribute the really iconic stuff to the epstein brothers i mean they were the ones who came up with that that whole finale of him deciding to to that elsa should leave and he'll stay and it's so noble and it's so dramatic and i think the thing with casablanca is that it, again i because i keep going back to this idea because i don't i we can't we can't dismiss this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've tried to like center all my arguments around the idea that like this movie does not deserve to be dismissed as like some old funny duddy thing. Because I think again, it's remembered as the the romantic thing. And they're in front of the airplane and they're crying the tears, da, 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 very sad farewell. But it's like, okay, but in the context of what is happening in that scene, it's not just two lovers saying goodbye. It's Rick knowing that he has to act for the greater good and so he's saying like look we are still in love with each other but we can't be together because there's bigger things going on and it's like with three people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world or whatever he says and also the the way i watched it which was at 2 a.m with a box of wine was that um I, that's that, the way to watch it. I think that's I, the way it was so. intended. I think I think very much so. It was very much intended. Um, but the 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 line that got me at the end, uh, having enjoyed myself the whole way through, was that you know you'll regret it maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. And I was like, but sooner for the rest of your life. Sooner and I was the rest of your life. I was fucked. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's the thing. It's like the weight of the tragedy in that scene. It's it's them knowing that look they're probably gonna be a bit miserable for the rest of their lives because they really should have been together because of how insanely in love they were, but like they have to do this because it's about putting aside their personal desires and their selfish desires and acting for the greater good and also breaking out of that sense of isolationism which is what connects it back to this idea that like a lot of people call Casablanca just. It's like a very good piece of war propaganda because it, it was essentially telling Americans at the time who were just entering into World War II, like, hey, you got to be like Rick. Like, <laughs> it, you can't just say, I don't stick my neck out for nothing. And you can't just look out for yourself anymore. You have to look out for the world and look, here, there's, here's this amazing movie about all these refugees who are sacrificing everything. And, and you know, it's time to act. And so you see this through this, like, fabulously written, like, really charismatic and cool anti-hero type in Rick Blade, who I just think is one of the coolest characters ever put on film because he spends the whole movie just like, I'm not gonna, I can't do that. I just look out for myself. And then slowly, like he doesn't, he doesn't say it. He doesn't have this big speech where he's like, I've decided to be a good man and now I'm going to do good things forever. You know, it's that slow breakdown where, for example, he lets the band play the Marseillaise in that scene. That's a big turning point. He, um, lets this refugee couple win the roulette so that they can buy visas and it's like the very so and you see it in Bogart's face where it's sort of like melting and he's got such a like it's a very measured face isn't it like it's very Mm. it's it's nice to see that all of these moments are iconic not because the lines are just good but because it's based in real like character Mm. journey and and arcs and, and and even though in the in the in the era the acting is very you know, wooden in certain places. <laughs> Not always, but in some places, it still has that heft. It's like viewing it in context uh, to kind of push back on what I was saying earlier on. It still has that. It still has the power to make me cry with my box of wine. The thing about it is, I feel like all of that stuff is hundred percent true. But because it's such a classic and it's so old, so many other um, best pictures have done what it's done. In their own way and better, and translated it more for the How time they're better, in now. Though? How I mean, because better. they've, le- they've learned <laughs> the from receipts. it. They've, yeah, they've, yeah, they've, but I, that assumes that like every like movies have just been getting better, which I, I disagree not all, no, with. No, not all movies have been getting better. But we're talking about best pictures. I mean, to say that there's never, there's no other best picture winner that has a better script than Casablanca. But do you think that do that, that films coming since have built on Casablanca and so yeah, it's definitely. and that's where I would give it its props as a, cl- as a classic mm. I feel like films have learned from it and built from it but it's like where we're at now it's tough to say oh 
Casablanca's the best picture of all time. Like, I feel like you have to grade it on a curve. I, I, like, but I don't I think believe like, in that. That's assuming that the movie is only emotionally powerful for then. Like all the topics in Casablanca, the idea of like you know looking beyond yourself, being anti-isolationism of of refugees and and the refugee plight. Like that stuff is still very very no, relevant that, that stuff, today. That and stuff like, is very prevalent. Uh, I don't want to like diminish yeah. the, oh, the no. topic that. But that it covers, but I'm just yeah. saying it's like. Are you talking about the execution specifically? Yeah, in terms of as a film. Yeah. I'm talking like. And it's a taste thing as well, isn't it? Like, I mean, if if that's not your bag. Yeah. If it's not, if it's not the sort of Baby. thing that, that grabs you, it's not the sort of thing that grabs you. Yeah, and, I mean, and you can you can enjoy something that explores the same thing in, in an entirely different, different context. Definitely. I mean, that's that's it in a nutshell. I guess like I don't. I don't want anyone to feel like I'm a Casablanca hater, but that's just, that was just <laughs> the feeling. It sounds I had. like you are. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what your reveal is. You rip yeah. off that outfit and it's just a big Casablanca with us lying through it. They're, they're the feelings I had when watching it. So to summarize, Joe, uh, for The Departed, you said that the editing. Dan, you said that Rob Marshall's directing and the adaptation specifically. And Clarice, you've said the script uh, for Casablanca. I hate this bit because they're you're all right like for very very different reasons um dan you got a bonus point so i, I don't yeah. feel too bad about this um <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna give uh casablanca top marks three points the departed two and chicago gets one but you got a bonus point for rhyming yeah. unintentionally so you've got two points as well so right now Casablanca is leading with 11 points, The Departed with 10, and Chicago with 6 points. The same number of Oscar wins it got. Yeah. Well, that's it, actually. I mean, we haven't spoken about that yet, is that Chicago, out of the three that we're talking about, got the most Oscars. Because it's a musical. Yeah, but, like, you can't... You, the Oscars are so yeah, wrong all yeah, of the time. They pick Green <laughs> And I'm not saying that Chicago didn't deserve it. I was very happy the year that Chicago won. But if you look back at, like, <laughs> the some of the stuff that wasn't awarded yeah. is shocking. It is, it really is. <laughs> the fact that, actually, if we... I mean, this is a personal one for me, even though I wasn't around, um, <laughs> is it in 1969, Oliver won Best Picture, and 2001 A Space Odyssey wasn't nominated. Let's get into some further trivia. Go on. The first musical to win Best Picture since Oliver was Chicago. Wow. And no other musical has achieved it since. Thank you for the tee up, Dan. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) It's cultural impact, and this is the final round, um, and we're going to be talking here specifically about how your film impacted film overall like what is it about your movie that influenced further pieces of work or anything like that dan it seemed like you had something to say so we'll start with you i do yes that's right um so chicago was the first movie to win best picture that there was a musical in 30 years the music the movie musical was the bastion of the golden age of hollywood and then it came to hello dolly and it all went wrong and oliver won best picture there was a, a spate of cult classics. You had Cabaret as sort of the last great, you know, musical. And then there was Grease, which was a, a big hit. There was Rocky Horror, which was an underground culty hit. But, oh, Disney, I suppose, Disney animated movies. But when it comes to like an out-and-out musical hit, ain't nothing till Chicago. And then from that moment onwards, you had the producer's of several huge studios be like, well, what properties can we have? And then we had, I've written a list down. We had the producers, we had Rent, we had uh, Sweeney Todd, we had Phantom of the Opera, Once, Mamma Mia, La La Land, uh, Les Miserables, Cats. And (laughs) all of that, they have been desperately trying to recreate the, the success of Chicago since. And Into the Woods as well, Rob Marshall's was, was another, I think, good example of, and more a, recently, Mary Poppins Returns. Indeed. Well, yeah. And, and, but none of them have quite managed to match Chicago. But it's not stopped them trying. So it has a failing cultural impact. Incorrect. Nice the one. Point is, nice. <laughs> I mean, nice. that's what I heard. It, that is <laughs> what it, 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 it has not stopped them from trying because of how good it was. Their look, and also, they've got a big height to hit. There's no participation points here. I will fight you i mean <laughs> actually, jazz hands are plenty <laughs> joe good point but also is there is it even worth having a conversation about cultural impact when <laughs> casablanca is in the mix <laughs> and, <laughs> and to be honest i'm not gonna lie i was gonna come here and just hold my hands up and be like listen 
I feel like The Departed is like, it's, it's probably his weakest point, maybe his cultural impact because mm. of everything that all of the actors had done up to that point. And like, it's Scorsese and like, he's already affected cinema so much that it's hard to see him like re-affect it with this. But I would say like, this was one of his best movies at the time and everyone in it carried on to have a successful, successful career. So it's, t- it's tough. But, um, I also, I mean, and this is this is probably going to be controversial because the the departed the departed is an adaptation. I was about to of, say, uh, yeah, infernal affairs, yeah, affairs uh, yeah. of infernal affairs, and I think it's better. It is. I think it's way better, actually. I think that infernal affairs isn't anywhere near as good as the departed, in my opinion, which might be offensive to some people watching this, and I'm bracing for impact. Um, but yeah, I agree. Um, Clarice, I mean. Just take your points. <laughs> well, it's kind of hard because Casablanca is so influential that I can't just list every movie ever named. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, ever, but just I. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. You get a little bonus point if you manage to bring up Tenet in this, because <laughs> there is a reference to Casablanca in Tenet. Is it oh. the plane? No, because they get off the plane. Don't they say Casablanca? There's something about. <laughs> yeah, he just go... turns around and goes Casablanca. Well, Casablanca's <laughs> a place, though. It's a it's a location. <laughs> no, uh, Robert Pattinson says something in it. Do you want me to just tell you? He's yeah. looking at you. No, he he. When he leaves the protagonist, he says to me, "This is the end of a beautiful friendship." Of course. Yeah. Ugh. Yes. No, Dan. <laughs> no, I Dan. Mean, but does he sing it? <laughs> <laughs> to 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 pinpoint two movies that in themselves were very very influential. Both Indiana Jones and Star Wars were heavily influenced mm-hmm. by Casablanca because both the Mos Eisley Cantina and also the Obi Wan Club are basically Rick's cafe. I mean, the, the better Phil music Bacon's in Star so. Wars though. Play it again, Sam. (laughs) 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 I mean, you could argue that point. That's a point that could be argued. (laughs) You've got that. You've got Jabba the Hutt. It's based off one of the sort of like minor villains of Casablanca, the owner of the Blue Parrot Cafe, because he's got a wearing a fez. And in the first sketches of Jabba the Hutt, Jabba the Hutt was also wearing a little fez, which I think was great. Obviously, the entire character of Han Solo is just based off. Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> and I feel like that character has been the basis for every sort of swaggering, cool anti-hero who doesn't want to really be a part of it until he steps up to the plate at the last yeah. moment. I mean, every single version of that character is really just... That is literally what Han Solo's character arc is in the first Star Wars. It literally, yeah. But it is. also responsible for the prevalence of fedoras. Mm, and that's, that's a good point, Dan. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I feel not like that was no. just the fashion at the time, right? Like Casablanca did not invent the fedora. <laughs> the fedora was going to happen wow. whether or not Casablanca was made. It did help. <laughs> I think this is quite an easy short round unless you want to say anything else, Clarice. I have another. I oh, have please another, go ahead, Dan. Because I'm going to expand it wider. Okay. Because not just when we talk cultural impact... Mm. It contributed to more people going to the musicals. It contributed to more people going to the West End. It contributed to audiences finally feeling like, oh, maybe that's not an elitist world that I can't. And along with Mamma Mia and The Lion King, it opened the doors Mm -hmm. to evil musical theatre kids like me (laughs) to walk into these and then (laughs) co-opt the airwaves with glee. Okay, and I feel like this is turning into a negative point if you're saying it created musical theatre kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you're right though, Dan, because I didn't even think about the fact that actually before Chicago came out, the closest that we had to musicals in cinema was all the Disney movies. Oh, what about Moulin Rouge? I feel like oh, Moulin Rouge was, was contemporarily, the- yeah. I agree. Yeah, I'm not So we kind of shared the, the glory but with did Moulin, Moulin Rouge. Rouge win? Best picture? No, oh. Chicago did. Oh, no, but and if we're looking sh- for the best, oh. best picture, <laughs> no other musical has achieved it since. That is true. Except for La La Land for like two minutes. <laughs> Didn't count. Okay. <laughs> I'm deciding so it counted. I think, I think it's quite this. obvious. I don't actually one. believe that, but just for this, I'm deciding it's <laughs> counting. I'm going to give Casablanca four points, obviously. And then Dan, <gasps> Chicago's getting two points. Stop it. 
and the departed is getting one point because oh, i think razzle, i think you're right I, I think you're right joe like Martin Scorsese, the reason he got to make The Departed the way he did and with who he did is because he was already Martin Scorsese and he'd already changed cinema enough times. <laughs> he was like, I'm just going to go for it on this one. And I don't believe as well, I think we already mentioned it, I don't believe that he got given the Oscar for this because they didn't give him the Oscar for Goodfellas. I, I think this is... This well, it goes back to Scorsese's least best movie is still better than most mm. people's movies, yeah. you know? Mm. And it's always just... That's just the case with the Oscars is that... Yeah like they never give it to the right movie because you don't know what like an iconic movie is the year that it comes out of course you don't know you only know that 10 years down the line judy dench getting it for shakespeare in love oh (laughs) also by the way just for clarity the departed is not martin scorsese's least best movie no it is one of his best movies yes i just want to be clear in what i'm saying with that yeah um, okay, so I'm the glad, final. I was judging you. <laughs> <laughs> the final points are in, uh, and Chicago has eight points. It is an honour just to be nominated. <laughs> uh, the Departed has eleven points, and Casablanca wins quite easily with fourteen points. You love me. You really love me. <laughs> I I feel vindicated, and I feel good because, like Casablanca, deserves to be loved. <laughs> It does, and I agree with well, you we as well. It's, 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 not, it's not just an old film that people should watch because it's considered a classic. It genuinely holds up. I, I try and watch it. Uh, to me, it's like a Christmassy movie. I like to watch it. It's very heartwarming around Christmas for me. With a box like, of wine. With a, bo- with a box of wine. It does go down really well with a box of there wine. There you go. Because <laughs> you just don't have a, a good little cry <laughs> and a good Joe's little No one will be changing my mind on Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. Okay, so Clarice... For the second time, please take the Screen Test Award. Very nice. Oh, that was quite good, actually. Oh, so seamless. Yeah, Just like the seamlessness of, of Casablanca. <laughs> in developing Anything, anyone you'd themes. like to thank? Um, Humphrey no? Bogart. Oh. Um, no, just me. I think myself. I am gonna. I'm gonna thank myself because I I tried really hard on this one because I love Casablanca. So congratulations. Where are you going to keep your award? Uh, next to my other award in my specially built awards room. <laughs> it's tiny. <laughs> yeah, it's just a pillow fort. They go on top of the washing machine. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show called Unbox the Plot. Dan, please sing us a theme song for Unbox the Plot. It's Unbox the Plot. That's it. Cool. Um, okay, so I get a the, point for that. The oh, rules we've done are pretty the simple. In here, I have picked one of my favourite Best Picture winners, and there are four clues, and you get four chances to guess, but if you guess sooner, I'll give you more points, even though it doesn't matter now, but you, the sooner you guess it, that you know somebody could win based on the sooner they guess. Okay. Okay? Here we go. I am so bad at this. The clues are going to get progressively easier. It's just not worse than me. I'm terrible. Okay, this is the first clue. Got some armbands. Anybody got any ideas? I've got one. Have you written? We... Are you committing to on the first is clue? This is my then? only. This is your only. Guess. This is your only guess. Yes. Then, then no. Okay. <laughs> armbands. <laughs> okay. The next one is three. Three little Oscar men. Froskers. So it won three Oscars. It won three Oscars, correct. And I can tell you specifically what they were, if you want me to. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so it won for Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor. I have instantly forgotten every movie that's won Best Picture, so (laughs) I'm doing really, really good right now. Casablanca won Best Picture. It did. This is your uh, clue number three. Is a lunar lamp. Huh? Is ah. it a, what is it? Is it a moon? Is it or a crystal ball? Ah, maybe, Clarice. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, no, but it can't be that. What did it win for? Best picture, best adapted screenplay, and best supporting actor. Next clue, please. And oh. the final clue is in this envelope. It's a very funny clue. It just uh, it just says La La Land. Mm. I've got a guess. <laughs> okay. What? Okay. <laughs> Dan, is it, is 
it moonlight? It is moonlight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the the moon. That's the clue. Moonlight. I was thinking moonlight, but then I was like, that's... Moonlight, not the moon. Joe's not a fan of these clues. My first guess was Titanic. And I don't know if that makes me problematic. Oh my God, that's dark. (laughs) But then it was like, oh, it's only three Oscars. (laughs) No, I think those clues were good. I should have guessed the moonlight. I should have. Did you not make a guess at all, Clarice? I got Moonlight when you said La La Land, but I was still angry about the moon. (laughs) I love this. Moonlight. Moonlight. Because I was thinking like gravity or something. I thought gravity. (laughs) Because she had, doesn't she have floaty things Because the moon is in space. The moon is in space. Thank you, It is actually the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Never so mind. Dan, yeah, <laughs> you you won on box the plot. Oh, you didn't, fabulous. you know, you didn't win the battle, but you won the war. That well, exactly. And I think I'll go down in, in the hall of fame. Really, I'll be one of those ones that was like, I can't believe it didn't even win. You know, that's me in this context. Well, that's all the time we have this week. Congratulations to Clarice and to Casablanca for being the official best best picture winner of all time. They can probably bin their Oscar now and just replace it with the screen test trophy. It's, it's more valuable, I think. It's rarer, if anything. Um, don't forget that there's loads of great Oscar-winning movies on Prime Video, including Gone Girl, Manchester by the Sea, and The Life of Pi. So give some of them a watch. Thank you so much to Daniel J. Layton for joining us this week. But me, Joe, and Clarice will be back next week to chat about what the best war movie of all time is with Paul Tweddle, a.k.a. Heavy Spoilers. So hit the like button and subscribe so you don't miss it, and we'll see you then. Bye! Goodbye. Thanks, guys. Bye.